Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Simply Amazing. Tim Ryder from the Apple. Uh, we're recording on Thursday night. I know I said on last episode we'd be uh, switching over to a weekly schedule, but ah, what's one more Friday episode before we uh, close out the season? Um, didn't wait till the end of the game on Thursday. It's 12-3. Uh, fun night. Looks like a fun night at City Field, the last home home game of the uh, on the schedule. Uh, Michael Conforto and what could be his final home game with the Mets. I doubt that, but we'll, we'll, we shall see. Uh, has three hits at the moment in what probably is going to be his uh, last at bat at City Field, as a, at, well, at least this season. Uh, opposite field double, as Scooter does, which is very cool to see. Uh, Francisco Lindor with that sweet prosciutto. Uh, the, the, uh, the rare four-run home run uh, broke things apart. Uh, Pete Alonso, two home runs. He's chasing for 40. He's got 37 going into the last series of the year against the Braves, who clinched the NL East on Thursday night. Whatever. Um, yeah, again, and that's missed the boat, man. They had their opportunities to make this a race. This could have been a huge, huge, huge weekend, but alas, it was not. Um, you know, it. the Mets are having some fun down the stretch. Uh Hand, you know, handed the game to the Marlins on, on Wednesday night. Uh, swept two on, on Tuesday, which was very cool to see. Uh, speaking of very cool to see, I'll, I will mention this. Huge thank you to uh, Mets pitcher Marcus Stroman. Uh, Marcus was kind enough to, uh, to reach out. Uh, I put up on Twitter that uh, uh, my family and I were going to the, the ball game on Wednesday night. Um, actually, big thank you to my friend Burke, who... Uh, Hooked up Burke eighty three. I, I uh, I'm sorry. I do not. Have, I only have your screen name here, but it's also Vax the Thrusta, which is just a, an extremely clever handle. Uh, forwarded us tickets last week, so we were all set to go. And then Marcus invited us to uh, uh to the game in in much much better seats, and uh, he was kind enough to send up a pair of signed uh, sugar cleats. Uh, uh, my youngest daughter was with us. My wife was with us. My buddy Matt Brownstein, who's been on the show a bunch of times, was there. Um, his partner was there. Oh, something's going on on the screen. I'm sorry. I got a little... Uh... Oh, they're throwing stuff out into the crowd. Okay. Um, and uh, and our buddy Brad Bedini, who, who was in the house. It was very cool to see everybody. We saw Michael Barron there. Uh, Michael Barron and Rich uh, McLeod and couple other really just great content creators just started Just Mets. Uh, it's Just Mets underscore on Twitter. Certainly go check that out. JustMets.substack.com, I believe, is the other name. Uh, is the, uh, I'm sorry, the domain name. And, uh, yeah, it was just an outstanding evening. Um, you know, we do what we can as bloggers to 
put our content out there and, you know, we are, I know we try to remain uninfluenced. We try to remain unswayed. We, we just, we call them like we see it. Marcus Stroman has been a terrific uh, member of the New York Mets. Just, you know, he mixes it up with the fans. He's, uh, you know, of course, we covered it at the Apple early year, and uh, he did the, the foundation in Glen Cove, Long Island. Just, you know, in Jacob deGrom's absence, he's been an absolute ace this year. And it just, um, I think he deserves all the, uh, the adulation that he's been getting. Uh, he's certainly going to do very well in free agency this year. And, of course, as we mentioned on the last show, uh, we have an interview with Marcus coming up probably just towards the uh, end of the season, if not immediately following the season, uh, in depth, just regarding his uh, coming coming back, swinging back into things once not pitching last year. But yeah, that should be a nice, um, a deep dive, to, to say the least. It, it'll be, uh, again, should be out soon, should be fun. Um, what else we got? Stro, Trevor May. I wanted to make a quick note of Trevor May, who um, pitched another scoreless inning on Thursday against the Marlins. So everybody remembers he had that little hiccup in uh, in August, mid-August. It, six earned runs over two starts. It was an inning and a third total. Now sandwiched around those, <laughs> so it was 18, uh, I'm sorry, 23 appearances before that. He pitched to a 1.61 ERA. In 18 appearances since that little hiccup, he's pitched to a 1.66 ERA. Trevor May's been um, nothing short uh, of uh, just an integral cog for this bullpen core. And, and to be honest, they've had a solid season. I believe they're still ranked in the top third um, in uh, ERA for the group. They just, you know, they've had their up and downs as all bullpens do, but really, I'm very glad Trevor May's still in the mix. Uh, very glad he's looking extremely comfortable, extremely confident out there, uh, just going after guys. And, you know, we, we love to see that. Um, we do have some notes here. Sandy Alderson spoke to the press on Wednesday. I was, of course, on my way to the game when it happened. I had to watch it on Thursday. But, um, you know, kind of does as Sandy does. He uh, didn't divulge much information, but he also, um, you know, shed light on a couple of things. It stirred the pot. You know, it, we've heard Sandy do these things for so long. Um, it, it almost just created drama, I guess you could say. But uh, it, with regards to the 2021 season, I believe the quote was obviously disappointing. And yeah, yeah. Um, I think the other one, the other one I caught was, we're big on process, but results matter. And that was, of course, with uh, appreciating the, the the clubhouse culture that, that Rojas and, and this team were able to create and, you know, the, the best of friends thing is, uh, is, is, of course it's funny and it, it's unfortunate that, uh, that it is funny because, you know, that, that vibe really could have taken this team to further places, but in the same respect, um, I think if there's some, there's a lot to be said for, spending this much time with a group of 20, well, <laughs> in this case, a group of rotating 60-something uh, guys, uh, you know, keeping that vibe on an even keel and, and that relationship within the clubhouse active. And, you know, there's always, I'm sure, I'm sure there had to have been, besides just the, uh, the raccoon mix-up, um, you know, there's always going to be a little dust-ups. You're spending 
how much time with these people over the course of six months? Uh, you know, there, there's shit's going to happen, but uh, just that this group was able to come out of it and they still have, you can still tell that, uh, I guess you could say that energy is still within the group. They're still, you know, maybe not having shown as much life as you'd hope down the stretch, but it is what it is. I'm certainly uh, happy about this core. Um, oh, back to uh, Sandy. Here we go. So he he said that he referred to a high point in the season as staying in first place for a hundred games. Yeah, yeah, that's a um, that's a big nah for me. You know, staying in first place for a hundred days. Yeah, that's or for a hundred games. That that's that's outstanding. Um, under the circumstances that that they did it, yeah, it it was a it wasn't the the New York Mets. It was the bench mob, and you know it's true. That's a cap tip to the front office for building the depth necessary and going out and picking apart the waiver wire, and that's cool. But um, you know the team that this was constructed to be really didn't perform as as anyone expected them to. So um, staying in first place for a hundred days with not that roster. You know, that's cool, but I wouldn't call it necessarily a high point. Uh, Sandy did say he wants to make decisions on Louis Rojas and his staff pretty much as soon as possible after the season ends. We've talked about Louis Rojas a little bit here in the past. Um, I don't know if you guys heard him talking on before Thursday's game. I don't know who it was. Someone asked him a question. Oh, if this is your last game as a manager at City Field, and I was very taken aback by that. Of course, you know, I'm not a quote-unquote professional journalist, but um, asking a guy while he's still employed how he feels about his time here, acting as if it's a foregone conclusion. I mean, I could have been saying things, but it looked to me like Louis Rojas was a bit um, emotional, at the very least misty-eyed um, when talking. And it, it, you should check out the quote. It's on SNY's Twitter feed. Uh, you know, I... I I'm a, I've said it before, I'm a big Louis Rojas fan. Has he had growing pains as a major league manager? Most definitely. He's made some questionable decisions, and in some cases, they've led to losses. In some cases, of course, the team bailed him out, and, um, it, you know, these things happen. We've talked about the gambles that managers have to take and all that stuff, and in, in Rojas's case, uh, you're under a microscope in New York. And if this... If this group truly does want to play for him, I think we said it on the show last week, they're going to go to bat for him, uh, to ownership, to management, and say, we want Rojas here. Uh, we'll see how that shakes out. Maybe new president of baseball operations is going to say, now we're just going to go ahead and move on. But there's a conundrum in there because with the, the timing of a president of baseball operations being hired, and the time frame that the team, well, at least Sandy said they wanted to keep with regards to the manager, um, making a decision on it right away. One would assume if they're ready to make that decision right away, but aren't planning on delving into the uh, president of baseball operations, uh, I guess that'll be according to the MLB calendar. You know, if the Mets are going to be interested in any teams that are in the playoffs, and, you know, that's going to be through the end of October. Um, they'll have to wait for that. And, you know, if then you have <laughs> the collective bargaining agreement, which Sandy spoke a little bit about that, you know, a lot's going to happen before the CBA expires on December 2nd. You have your qualifying offers that 
Uh, I believe that starts five days after the World Series. Um, you can you have to start tendering contracts or not tendering contracts around that time. Uh, that's going to affect you know things before the new CBA kicks in, and you know you would think that the Mets will be acting in expeditiously in an expeditious manner to, to get these things tied up, but you don't want to rush these things. These are important decisions. Um, they did mention that Zach Scott, that they haven't been in touch with him pretty much at all since his arrest. And they're going to address that once, uh, I believe his legal process has been completed, which is expected to be in August and I, I'm sorry, October, which anyone who's ever been through the court system, uh, can attest that how Zach Scott gets through this process in, you know, six weeks is almost unbelievable. It takes, usually takes around six court appearances to get these things cleared up, but I wouldn't know that from any personal experiences. This is, of course, only through friends. <laughs> um, where else are we here? Oh, you know what? It, and Sandy also made a good point with regards to the timing. You know, at some point, maybe you have to think about a work stoppage. Oh, speaking of stoppage, the uh, the crowd's cheering Michael Conforto right now. And that's awesome. There's two outs in the ninth. Absolutely incredible. Closing up on Michael. He gives his little wave. Outstanding. Touching his little heart. Oh, this is just so cool. Oh, yeah, there's maybe a little, maybe a little tear. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't want to get a... I didn't want to get sidetracked. I got the game on mute. I, I refuse to turn it off. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely a little water in those eyes. boy, Mike. boy, Guys, I'm telling you, I, I, I'll get sidetracked. I don't give a shit. Um, you know, you guys know that I'm a big Michael Conforto fan. I'm a big Michael Conforto believer. And, you know, he's been here. We saw him get drafted out of Oregon State. We saw him come up in the World Series. We saw him rip his fucking shoulder apart. We saw him come back from that and still come back and turn into a all-star caliber player. You know what? Oh, because it was on a diving catch. It was on a, a tumbling diving catch. I told you, I'm not really, I'm only half, I've got it on in the background. Oh yeah, those are good tears. Yeah. Oh, this is good stuff, guys. Anyway, back to Michael Conforto. Um, you know, he said it this week, how he's grown here. He's grown as a person here. He's grown as a, as a player here. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I don't see this being it. I see, I see what's happening. What I'm watching right now, Michael Conforto getting emotional while the fans giving him love. That's, that's the Mets ticket to, to get him back here and get him back here at a reasonable cost. Sorry. I didn't mean to get sidetracked, but, um, yeah, I think Michael Conforto is definitely part of this group going forward. Ah, there's no water in my cup. Anyway, okay. Um, Sandy, Sandy, Sandy. <laughs> Sandy's hesitant to comment on any um, accommodations that the Mets might be willing to make with regards to a president of baseball operations being, oh my God, who was that? Heath Hembry just made the final out of the game. Snatched that thing about an inch away from his face. That was a line drive right but I'm going to go ahead and stat cast and see what that came off the bat at. Because he just snatched that thing right from in front of his chin. That was amazing. Heath Hembry. Embry. Embryo. <laughs> we have fun here. Jazz Chisholm. 
103.2 miles per hour. Oh, yeah, and the SNY camera's on, Mike. Oh, this is so nice. This is, um, you know, you'd think the guy's retiring. Come back, Scooter. We like you here. And, you know, for the people who think that Scooter's a silly nickname, you might be right, but he's our Scooter. <laughs> we, I say, uh, I say do what you can to keep Conforto in the house. In the mix, in the fold. Back to Sandy and Sandy's uh, <laughs> non-answer, afternoon of non-answers. I got a couple more uh, topics here. We're going to take a break. So let me just bang it, bang these out. The free agent, speaking of Conforto, uh, Sandy said, actually, you know what? My bad. Let me kick it back. Um, he, with regards to the CBA, and the time frame. See, I, I actually have notes today. I didn't want to miss anything. Now it's fucking me up. <clears throat> Excuse me. Coughed right into my arm. See? Now I have habits of coughing into our arms. Um, how the Mets approach this offseason with regards to the time frame of the CBA negotiations, the CBA ex expirations, you know, there could be somewhat of a... Um, uh, Nimmo and Conforto, a hug, and he's going through down the whole line. Yeah, he's emotional, guys. I'm sorry. I'm I'm watching this with everybody else right now. This is great. Really very cool. Um, so heading into the offseason, you know, like I was saying, you're going to have decisions you're going to have to make before the CBA expires. You might not even have a, um, a president of baseball operations in place by then. You would hope that they might, but, you know, Honestly, before they have to start extending QOs, if you want to talk to play playoff teams or their front offices, um, you most likely have to wait until after that window. So it's going to be a, a very you know bang 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 type of offseason, at least in the beginning. And then once the CBA expires, there might actually be a work stoppage. There might actually be a uh, just a window of um, of nothing happening. And that puts a crimp on everything, too. And then once the CBA is ratified, which you have to assume both parties, the league and the Players Association, uh, are very, very interested in getting this worked out quick because, you know, missing a whole season last year, there was, uh, I guess you could say, just unhappiness about what was happening. They couldn't come to an agreement on how to get 60 games worked in, and that really was a, a, a nasty little process. Oh, they're showing the replay of Hembry. Okay, I would give it a good 12 to 16 inches before it was about to hit him in the face. <laughs> and Chisholm, and Chisholm's leaning on his bat at the plate. That's awesome. Guys, Jazz Chisholm's one of my favorite non-Mets in the whole league. What a great player. One of these days, I'm going to have to take pictures of my, uh, my Chisholm uh, card collection. I picked up some really, really good rookies this year. Oh, that's cool, man. Is that Tony Tarasco holding up Conforto's arm for the fans? Very cool. And now the news is on. I have to mute this because we don't watch the fucking news. Not, at least not this news. Oh, shush. Okay. Boy, we've gotten off track a bunch of times tonight. I'm sitting here talking to myself, having a whole freaking conversation. Um, so, yeah. You know, the Mets have decisions to make. The time frame is going to be messed up. Michael Conforto, who actually Sandy talked about a bunch of the uh, uh, impending free agents. Conforto, he said, has been a stalwart. Uh, he thinks very highly of Michael. The organization thinks very highly of Michael. And again, kind of ties into what we were just saying. You would think that there's mutual interest to, to, to make something work. But, you know, if some team comes in at five years, $25 million per year, 
Yeah, most likely that's say la vie, but we, we, we'll see. Uh, Marcus Stroman, he called uh, what Stroman's done this year, which we talked about earlier, uh, ninth best ERA in baseball after not pitching last year. Right now he's leading the majors and starts. Might not pitch Sunday, we don't know yet, but it's not looking that way. So he might be stuck at 33 starts. So at the very least, tied for the league lead in uh, in game start. At 34 would be out of the uh, – might be out of reach. But he, he Sandy called it a remarkable achievement, what he's done. Uh, they highly value what Marcus brings to the table. And, um, you know, he kind of – I think he noted that when DeGrom was out, um, you know, he, he just being able to – consistently give you be the same pitcher every time out pretty much and uh and go out and do you know do his job and lead a rotation you know i think we, we all came away pretty impressed but you have to assume the mets are are just as impressed by what they saw from a guy that they traded away on you know a lot of i wouldn't say a lot but a handful of very decent pieces you know anthony k and uh oh what was his name don't tell me. Don't tell me. Anthony K. SWR. I can remember his initials. Simeon Woods Richardson. Bam. <laughs> um, you know, the two nice young arms. I, I want to say there was someone else in that deal, but for the life of me, I can't remember. Anyway, uh, it's been a, a huge win. Huge, huge, huge win for the Mets. Uh, I think, you know, you have to assume that, that Stroman has enjoyed his time here. Um it, you know, it's like we said on the last show, it seems like the absolute perfect candidate to invest in. You know, he's not going to be falling off a cliff anytime soon uh, as far as performance. And uh, you could see he just came back from not pitching at all in 2020 and, and put together uh, an absolutely, ter- you know, fa- fantastic year. Top 10 in multiple, multiple uh, statistical metrics uh, league wide. It's just uh, major league wide, not just national league. Really, very, 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 very impressive. Uh, Sandy did talk about Javi Baez uh, again, of course, noting that he's been exceptional since uh, coming back from the IL on August 22nd. Heading into Thursday's game, Baez was hitting 350, 420, 593, I believe, since August 22nd. 138 plate appearances. Uh, when asked about the possibility that Baez uh, returns to New York, Sandy was – he took like a – I would say a good six, five or six-second pause and said, is it possible? Yes. Is it realistic? Maybe. Which is kind of a shitty thing to say. You would think that – why wouldn't they want to bring him back? You've seen the absolute peak of Javi Baez. Are there going to be suitors for him? Of course. Does he want to be here? Yeah, he said it. He's he's said it multiple times. He said since he's been with the Mets, he said he wants to stay here. Before he came to the Mets, he said he said he wanted to play with Lindor and come to New York. Why wouldn't it, yeah, no, it, above our pay grade to uh, to speculate, but why in the world wouldn't you want Javi Baez? Javi, uh, excuse me, Javi Baez on your team? Just that's beyond me. Sandy, you know, Sandy is Sandy, but I rarely. Lately, do I agree with uh, much that he says. And that's not a knock on Sandy. He's a lifetime baseball guy. Um, he has his faults, as we all do. But uh, I I have the world of respect for Sandy Alderson as a, as a baseball executive. Um, just 
you know, I don't always agree with the, uh, with, the way, with which direction he goes. I want to say it was Disha Thosar who asked a question during the presser about Theo Epstein. Sandy's like, oh, you know, he, he, he wasn't short when he declined to really get into it. He said, I don't know if that's appropriate. Then at the end, he's like, nice try. You, what a jerk. And I, I don't mean that literally. I, I'm sure Sandy's a terrific guy. Um, just, is that necessary? Eh, anyway. Anyway. Um, I have a couple more notes on Sandy before we take a break. Oh, he was asked if this was a championship core. I believe Steve Gelbs asked that question. Steve Gelbs of SNY, which, I don't know, I'm not even a Jets fan, but I watched a little bit of that show last week. Gelbs' show. I, I wish I remembered the actual name of it. I'm, I apologize. Really good. Really, really good. Um, highly recommend if you're a Jet, even if you're not a Jets fan and you're just trying to kill time before kickoff, excellent. Um, so Sandy was asked if this was a championship core in his eyes. And he kind of danced around and he said that, uh, you know, he, he didn't get, he didn't really answer the question, which of course, as we said before, it's kind of what Sandy does. He said that this core is eroding with regards to their contractual status. Um, He's not sure if this group, at its best, is at that level, which he, he was willing to say. Um, he certainly admitted that they're going to have to make changes. Or augment, I believe, was the word that he used. Um, you know, and he also, he said that their decisions are going to be regarding these guys. You know, Nimmo's coming up soon. Conforto and Syndergaard are coming up now. McNeil's coming up soon. Um, you know, big, big push to continue their development of, you know, in-house players. Uh, I believe, oh, you know what? I wrote down a quote. Here, hold on one second. Driven by player development, but also be transactional. Which, you know, that makes sense. It's kind of how this all works. Um, oh, and last thing on Sandy. <laughs> he said uh, his issue in the second, well, I guess not his issue, but the team's issues from his point of view in the second half. Uh, well, there were a lot of factors. Yes, there were, Sandy. Uh, injuries. Um, of course, he said they weren't able to overcome them, which falls on the, the front office, you know, as well as the players. He, he did point to underperformance. He did point to the long-term ebb and flows, how you can't expect career years from everybody, and you have to, you know, be prepared that some guys might have a bad year. In that same regard, <laughs> you can't really prepare for everyone having a bad year, or at least a really, really prolonged stretch of bad baseball. Um, and they said they ran out of depth, which I found a little peculiar, considering that this team, you know, did so much last offseason to shore up their depth, their, their depth, and even through the season, you know, plugging in waiver wire guys to kind of just make it work. They did make it work. They they got out of that in first place, which is still, you know, I guess Sandy's point that it was a high watermark kind of holds water, redundancy aside. Um, it, you know, it's a uh, tough situation. Very strange season. Uh, it's certainly not, not like one that I can remember in uh, my history. You know, and every season's got its own little wrinkles, but this one was wild. Um, yeah, we're going to take a quick break right there. Holy cow, we made it almost a half an hour in the first half. All right, take a quick break here from our sponsors. We'll be right back. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back. Ran upstairs, got myself a bottle of water. We are all good to go. Uh, we talked about Sandy's presser this week. Yeah, we nailed that down. We talked about Michael Conforto's possibly final game in Queens. Very cool moment on Thursday. Uh, talked about where Sandy stands on some of these upcoming free agents, which uh, Aaron Loop um, was one guy I forgot to bring up. So looking it up today, um, came into Thursday night with a 0.95 ERA and 4.21 ERA plus. Uh, of course, 100 ERA plus is an average pitcher. So in 1981, which is a strike-shortened season, uh, Raleigh Fingers of the Milwaukee Brewers, which were then in the American League, uh, he was a relief pitcher. He won the Cy Young and MVP that year. He appeared in 47 games, pitched 78 innings, uh, ERA just a shade over one, with a 3.33 ERA plus. And you know you can't compare these two eras at all. Of course, you know Eckersley, I believe, all but like five of his appearances were multiple innings. Um, you know Aaron Loop in his 65 appearances only pitched 57 innings, something like that. So yeah, again, not comparable, but. That level of dominance is always comparable, and, and Loop you know, hit that <laughs> mark and then some. Uh, so, yeah, certainly have to do what you can to bring him back. But um, what I did want to discuss, which now i got to bring up my other thing here, we're going to talk a little bit about the National League Cy Young Award. I also have a couple of – actually, you know what? Before we get into NL Cy Young, let's answer the questions. My buddy Mets fan 04, Kyle. Oh, Kyle. Only, only first name Kyle. Sorry, buddy. Um, he's asking about Carlos Correa's defense at third base. That's tough because, as Kyle pointed out on Twitter, um, Carlos Correa has no professional experience at third base. That's tough to gauge, though at shortstop, um, he's generally been a pretty solid fielder. I'm going to go ahead and pull up his 
StatCast metrics, if my internet decides to work on my phone, which we got that uh, high speed, we should be fine. My goodness, look at those numbers, it's short. Okay, 2018, uh, 22 outs above average. 2019, 11 outs above average. 2020, 5 outs above average. 2021, 11 outs above average. Yeah, I'm not worried about his defense at third base uh, in the least. Now, if Baez isn't back, I do think that Correa would be a very viable option um, to pivot to. Maybe see if he'd be willing to move to third. We've we've talked about his willingness to move to, to third base. Uh, I should. I'm sorry. He, we've talked about his willingness to move to third. I would see if he's willing to move to second, uh, and that's if Baez isn't going to be around because you know, Correa is an absolute player. Um, yeah, was he a little brash after the whole Astros asterisk thing? Sure, of course. Um, you know, he got cheated and caught it. Uh, he cheated and got caught. Strike that, reverse it. He cheated and got caught. The whole team did. And, um, you know, some people don't take that uh, ego shot so well. Some people get defensive. And that, that appears, of course, from an outside perspective. So what happened. Um, if he comes here and hits, you know, 290 with 30 home runs and, uh, you know, 90 runs scored, cool, great. You know, I don't give a shit. You're not you're not seeing signs here. No one's tapping on garbage cans here. No one's whistling from dugouts here. Like, you know, uh, come here and produce. I don't care about any of that. And really, he's he's having a terrific year this year. Um, I think Houston is clinching the AL West on Thursday night as well, or if they haven't already. So you know, it's um, it's certainly a big off season. There's a lot of. Uh, a lot of ways to go, but if Correa is an option and Baez is back, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If Baez is back and Correa is an option at third, personally, Kyle, I have no hesitation putting him at third and just here, get out there. It's your job every day. He's uh, a top-notch defender. Um, you know, I, of course, I don't, <laughs> I don't know how easy it is to transition from shortstop to third base at the major league level, but um, you know, just sticking around at the diamonds locally, uh, making, you know, those throws and those angles, they're not too much different. Uh, I think it'll be an easy transition if that were the case. And I wouldn't be surprised if Correa also wants to be here, especially if Bias is in the mix. Those three guys, they, they, they're familiar with each other. They're friends. They've played on team Puerto Rico and the WBC. You have to assume that, you know, if that super team, I think we talked about this last week, if that super team, is an option or building a super team is an option guys are gonna do what they can to make it happen because i can't imagine any player that doesn't want to be a part of that if you're michael conforto yes you can defer a couple of million dollars a year yes you can back you can do whatever you want to my contract if you're gonna build that type of team go ahead as long as i get my money in the end i don't care that's me I, my scott boris is also isn't my agent <laughs> but you know that's me i want to win a championship if I can, if you can mess up my contract, so I'm still getting paid, but maybe I'll get a little bit more down the line. I don't give a shit. Get me a ring, and I'll get money down the line. I that's fine by me. I'm totally okay with that. Um, and we got off track again. Boy, it's one of those nights. That's okay. We have fun here. Wasn't even gonna have this show. 
Joe Toscano, my buddy Joe. What's up, man? Um, most important free agent of the group that's here. So most important in-house, impending free agent. Now, you got a lot to pick from there. You got Conforto and Noah, who both are uh, qualifying or offer eligible. Marcus Stroman, who, of course, we talked about how important he's been to this group. Uh, Javi Baez, who we just got done speaking about him, and Aaron Loop. Uh, talked about him a bunch. I guess if I had to prioritize from that list, or not even prioritize, well, that was your question, so I guess we're going to have to prioritize. <sighs> I think it's Marcus Stroman. I really do. I, you know, I talked about it a little bit at the Apple on Thursday. Taiwan Walker had a really, really bad second half. He hit, he admitted that. He said it was not a good second half, but he finished strong. He went 7.1 on Wednesday, you know, lost the game. He hadn't, he hasn't got a win as a pitcher in, oh, I don't know, probably going on two months now, two, two and a half months now. But uh, that doesn't mean anything. But really, went out and pitched a terrific game, uh, had 67 and a third innings pitched from 2018 through 2020, and, you know, Came out this year and made 30 starts. That's a career high for him. Just terrific. Him and Carlos Carrasco, who both had their their share of struggles at points this year, you know, they're going to be that meat and potatoes portion of the Mets rotation next year. Now, you can go to Grom and then those two guys and then fill out the back end. That's a one way to go about it. That's not a championship level rotation in my opinion, but that's certainly one way to go about things. You bring Marcus Stroman back in the fold, you got Jacob DeGrom, Marcus Stroman, Carlos Carrasco, Taiwan Walker, and then you got, you know, a solid group of depth guys, whether that be David Peterson, Joey Lucchese, Trevor Williams, who's back in the mix next year. Next year. Uh, I'm missing someone. I'm missing someone. Hold on. Tyler McGill. How could I forget about big drip Tyler McGill? Um, you know, you're going to have a lot of very, very good back-end pitchers competing for one spot. If you're able to bring Stroman back, and, you know, that's, as you as we saw this season, you can never have too much depth. And that's just a quality arm to have at the top of your rotation. Yeah, I, I do think Marcus Stroman might be the most important out of this group. Um you know, Michael Conforto, we talked about, I, I think that there's a place for him here. I think that there's a, a middle ground to be reached. I also think that if he does leave, he is replaceable. So I wouldn't mark him down as expendable, but I would let that, see how that cookie crumbles and kind of take it as it comes. And for Noah, I don't think, of course, Noah would be thrilled to get the uh, qualifying offer. I don't think it's going to take $20 million a year or one for one year to get Noah in the mix. If other people are interested in the services, great. He said it again after his outing uh, this week. His first outing since September of 2019. He got two strikeouts. Fastball is up around 96. Uh, Changeup looks absolutely disgusting. But, you know, um, Noah Syndergaard, if you can keep him in the fold for three years and – 45 million. Maybe, and that's a max 45 million with incentives build it up. It's coming off a two year absence. I don't think 20 million for that is, uh, 
I think everyone would be willing to come down off that number, team and player alike. I think that if you say, hey, Noah, 340, 345, yeah, he would do that. I, I, I Of course, that's speculation, but I, I really think that that's a, a good thing. And at that point, if you're able to bring Noah back and chop down that AAV, boom, that's $5 million off next year's payroll um, salary. Uh, sa- blah, blah, blah. Competitive balance tax threshold. There we go. Um, and if you could do that a few times, like Michael Conforto, let's say, you know, he offer, he takes the qualifying offer. Okay, he got him in for $20 million. But once you got him locked in for $20 million, maybe you negotiate and say, hey, you know what? Let's just get this done now. We'll do four years at $90 million. And, uh, or, or four years at $80 million, Four years at $90 million, but we'll backload it. But we'll... You know, we'll we'll defer some money. We'll you know, like we were saying before, just kind of pull some strings to make it work. Hey, maybe you get another five million AAV coming off of next year's competitive balance tax, whatever that competitive balance threshold is going to be with the new CBA. But um, I think that there's certainly ways to make this work. You know what? I do actually have figures here, <laughs> very 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 rough figures. Um, this is from. These are just my pretty basic payroll stuff. So the Mets have $131 million on the books for next year. If you get QOs for Conforto and Noah, you go to around $170 million, $171. Uh, like we just said, if you can get Noah back down, back at like $15 million per, that $170 goes to $165. Conforto comes in for three, four years. You pull some strings there. Maybe you get next year's down to $160 or somewhere around there. Arbitration numbers for everybody. Let's assume everybody comes back. You're probably tallying around forty million on. Let's let's say forty-five at the very max. So, but let's stick at forty just for round numbers' sake. That's two hundred million. If Steve Cohen wants to keep his payroll of two hundred eighty million, it still leaves you with eighty million or so, <laughs> seventy-five, eighty, depending on where we finished off, whether it's two hundred or two hundred five. To, to keep Stroman at $25 million per, to keep Baez at $25 million per, maybe to even go out and spend money on a third baseman at $25 million per, and you still have some money left over. Like, I, I, I think that there's enough to go around, and I think that enough guys would buy into playing with this group, especially if DeGrom is healthy, especially if Stroman's in the mix, especially if Syndergaard's back. Um... I think that's a cert, that's a sell. That's how you sell players on coming here. Look, we're we're ready to win now. You would put us over the top. Talk to a president of baseball operations. Hey, look, we're ready to win now. You would put us over the top. Uh, if the Mets choose to part ways with Louis Rojas, new manager. Hey, we're ready to win now. Guess what? You're gonna put us over the top. Like th- that's how you bring people in. That's your selling point. Oh, yeah, we have a really rich owner. Cool. Every fucking owner in in professional sports is rich. Every one of them is. Every one of them has more money than we'll ever see in our lifetime combined. Me, you, and everyone else listening to this show. Probably. I don't know who's listening. Steve Cohen, if you're listening, disregard. (laughs) Um, But any of these guys could do whatever they want, but that kills their bottom line. That's why decisions are made differently. That's why not every team goes out and spends $200 million a year on payroll because owners care about the bottom line. 
They didn't buy a sports team to win championships. They bought a sports team to make money. Winning championships makes money. That's what most... Of course, teams realize that, but most teams don't have the the gall, and that's a, a cleaner word that I wanted to use, to go out and spend money. Like Steve Cohen, they are talking about getting... I, yeah, Wall Street Journal, I believe, this week, they wrote about how the Mets want to reach a new segment of fans. They want to incorporate comedy acts and music stuff. And Cool, yeah, that's great. You have a nice stadium. You, you have a great community around that stadium. Of course, you want to appeal to everybody. Do you know how you appeal to fans? Do you know how you get new fans to come in? You win. You win championships every year. Or you compete for championships every year. You win some of them. Just put an effort out there. You know why the Yankees have fair weather fans all over the country? Because 20 years ago, and for 20 years, well, for you know, 15 years after that, five years before and 10 years after that little dynasty, they spent money like it was going out of style to win championships. You, that's how you get people in Nebraska rooting for your team. They want to root for winners. This team is trying to win every year. That's what we were sold on when Steve Cohen bought the team. It's a brand new world. It's a brand new era. We're going to buy ourselves championships. As a fan who's been rooting for the Mets since the early 90s, my first real season of watching start to finish, the Mets lost 100-plus games. Like, just born in fire as far as a fan. I don't care if they go out and buy a championship. I just want to celebrate a freaking championship. I don't care. Go out and spend $350 million on payroll. We're all going to enjoy it. We know what we're going to do. We're going to enjoy it. We're going to buy tickets. We're going to go to the park and spend money on every cool little knickknack you show us. Oh, another bobblehead? What is this, the 19th bobblehead this month? We don't care. We're coming to get more of them. Do you know how many people were there on Wednesday night just to get Seinfeld shirts? Think about if you were putting a championship-level team on the field every night. They'd, they'd sell like fucking Seinfeld shirts, guys. Come on. Come on. I'm clapping my hands like, I, like you could see me. Where's the blueprint? Show me the blueprint because I'm crossing out everything. Win. Three letters. W-I-N. Win. That's all the fucking blueprint should be. Listen to me. I try to stay even keel and optimistic. You guys can hear it. I, I, I want a winner just as bad as everybody else. And it, what's frustrating is that now that they have the opportunity, Sandy's like, oh, well, you know, we're going we're gonna to make a decision and, you know, we're going to – we might have to, to, to do this or do that and timing and just go out and go out and spend Steve Cohen's money. Come on. He hired you to spend money. He said, oh, I want Sandy here. That's your fucking green light to go spend money, man. If he's going to give me the checkbook, just go out and buy some superstars. Let's win a World Series. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy to help if you need me. I, I don't know what I'd offer to the table besides a bunch of rah-rah cheerleading stuff. But, hey, whatever helps the team, man. Just like Dom Smith is your ultimate team player, me too. Boy, it's like what? Oh, it's, it's well past my bedtime, guys. Jeez. Um, Joe Toscano. Oh, he wanted to know about Edwin Diaz. Joe, I am 110% confident in Edwin Diaz being able to be a elite level back end reliever. I wouldn't be opposed to 
not necessarily using a quote-unquote closer. I don't think it's, um, you know, in some cases, yeah, you go to Diaz, but we saw that, oh, Diaz is your ninth inning guy, and that screwed things up. Everybody likes stability, and, and you know, speaking with relief pitchers, and we spoke with Trevor May earlier before the season. Hope to have Trevor May back on the show during the offseason, but that is one busy dude. We shall see. But he spoke about it then, that, you know, that sort of stability and knowing that, oh, today's my day, oh, it's almost time for me to pitch, that that helps things along. That, that certainly, um, it's one less thing to worry about. You know, having to, and that probably works for a manager too, like, oh, you know, well, Diaz is our ninth inning guy and it's almost the ninth inning, you got to get him ready, but the game doesn't really call for it, but he's our ninth inning guy. Like, you have to be able to find a happy medium, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, and you know, at times, it felt like the uh, the Mets had trouble keeping to their plans. And you could tell. They went into games with plans and had to you know, abandon those plans and then kind of wing it. And then they screwed themselves in the end. And, you know, I I wouldn't put that all on, on Louis Rojas. I think it's a collective group effort for these decisions. But um, having talent at every corner to go to in these situations is a good thing. And, you know, Familia's gone, but I, I believe it was Mets Daddy. I know I said it here on the show a few weeks ago that if, it, he's, if he's coming in at like half of his salary now, which is I believe is $10 million a year, maybe i give it a shot, like two years, $10 million total. I, I would bring him in. I think Mets Daddy had him at like two eight or, or maybe one five even. I'm not sure, but hey, Mets Daddy, I know you're listening, pal. Hope you're well. Um... You know, if you can build around that and kind of relieve or will keep the pressure off of Diaz, let him go out there and do his thing because, you know, you've seen in, in higher pressure situations, not necessarily just the save, non-save times, but you can see that there's just times that he doesn't have it. And again, both uh, relievers are volatile by nature. You have to... I, I do think Diaz is that guy. <laughs> to wrap that that long rambling answer up. I do think Diaz is that guy, but it all depends on the support pieces around him. If you can get him confident, he's unstoppable. But, you know, confidence wavers, and that happens to everybody. So, uh, yeah, the Mets have priorities, without a doubt. And I believe I stopped at Stroh. I think Javi should be um, of utmost importance. Uh, Aaron Loop as well. I don't care what that costs. You bring him back. Because I, I wish I could remember who said it on Twitter today. Uh, the money that you're saving, stocking the clubhouse fridge with Bush Light instead of a, a more expensive beer. It, you know, it probably all comes out in the wash. <laughs> We're always close to it. Because, um, you know, if Loopy's banging a couple back every time he has a good outing, and if he has, you know, 60 good out, good outings a year, you're going through a... a Quite a few cases of beer, man. Those those nickels, plus you're bringing back cans. Those nickels add up. <laughs> oh, now we're just having silly fun. I did want to get to the National League Cy Young Award. Um, I have my figures here. Now, speaking with a buddy earlier through the week, pretty much, um, he's dead set on Zach Wheeler. And I get that. I really do. Zach Wheeler's had... A, a magical season. And if you listen to the show, we're huge Zach Wheeler fans here. Corbin Burns from the Brewers 
And, of course, keeping in mind that Corbin uh, Corbin Burns missed three starts early in the year. He was on the I.L. Uh, It appears that after – I don't know what the story is behind it, but it appears that after the All-Star break, uh, he didn't – looks like he pitched fifth coming back out of the break. So got a nice long break there. He probably cut himself short short a start in that process. But, um, you know, I'm including Burns, Wheeler, and Max Scherzer in pretty much my top three because at one point or another over the last, like, three months, either either one of these guys would be like, oh, that's the winner. Um, and people have had ups and downs since then. Scherzer's kind of fallen off recently. <laughs> Corbin Burns is just ridiculous. Again, if I had a, if I had a vote, my one, two, three would be Burns, Wheeler, Scherzer. But everyone really has their merits. Um, you know, I'll start with Max Scherzer, who, again, he's, he's my number three. You know, a 2.46 ERA and a whip, 0.86 whip, you know, you can't argue with that. That's a, 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 an amazing season. But, you know, and, and right down the line, too. I think he struck out 236 and 179 innings. He's got a 5.2% walk rate. 16, or 15.9% whiff, FIP of 2.97, 5.6 F war. I think that's going to be his problem. You look at guys like Wheeler, he came in at 7.2 wins above replacement, 2.78 ERA heading into his last start, 2.58 FIP, 0.68 home runs per, I'm going to go right down the list, 0.68 home runs per nine, uh, just a shot. A tick under ten and a half strikeouts per nine. He's leading the majors, two hundred and thirteen point one innings, two hundred and thirteen and a third innings. So, Corbin Burns, like I said, he missed time. He has one hundred and sixty-five innings. Max Scherzer's might hit. Uh, he might break. I, I don't know if he's pitching this weekend. If he does, he'll break one eighty. Zach Wheeler's gonna be. If he goes a complete game, he's gonna hit two hundred and twenty innings. Um, un- unbelievable. And he's also, of course, leading the majors in strikeouts, 247, 1.01 whip, which, you know, compared to Scherzer at 0.86 and Burns at 0.93, it's, uh, you know, it's, oh, he's almost a, a tenth behind. This 1.01 whip over a full season pitching 213 innings. That's uh, just amazing. Just amazing. And, you know, big shout out to all the Mets fans who saw it in Wheeler when the front office and ownership at the time did not, I applaud you because we saw that Wheeler was going to be this stud and lo and behold, there, here he is. These three guys, their walk percentages. I know I just referenced Scherzer's 5.2. He's second on this list. So Zach Wheeler's walk rate is 5.4%. Scherzer's 5.2 and and Corbin's burns is 5.1. Unbelievable. Wheeler also has a leg up on hard hit rate, 22.4%. Burns is at 24.5%. Scherzer's at 34.8%. So he's been getting hit hard this year. But I believe his home runs per nine were up too. It's like 1.15. What's the one I saw? Oh, Corbin Burns' whiff rate, 16.8%. His called striking whiff rate is at 33.9%. You know, I have what? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I have 12 categories here, and Burns is leading in five, six, seven, in eight of them. You know, I get it. Wheeler 
was able to put together this sort of season, not missing starts, not coming out early, pitching through games, you know, 220 innings is 220 innings. It's it's impressive no matter how you slice it. If you have a 4.5 ERA and pitch toward 220 innings, still a, uh, an achievement and a half. Zach Wheeler's, you know, coming into his final start with a sub-3 ERA, leading the majors in strikeouts, leading the majors in innings pitched. Yeah, the, the, the advanced metrics point to Burns. I would not be shocked if Wheeler comes away with this. I'm actually expecting a really, really close one and two vote. Um, I think Scherzer is certainly deserved of the, of third. But then, you know, even behind him, you got Walker Bueller and Julio Arias in L.A., who are both having very nice seasons. Brandon Woodruff, also in Milwaukee, having a really nice year. Kevin Gossman. Marcus Stroman, we said it before. He's top ten in how many categories across the league right now? And these are traditional categories. He's top 10, top 15. You know, I, I think it would be unfair if Stroman didn't end up at least on the on the, on the the ballot, you know, receiving votes. I, I would hope he would be in the fifth or sixth, maybe. You have to assume that, that Bueller or Urias is going to finish fourth or fifth. I'd love to see Stroman right up there with Gosman. Gosman's had a, a terrific season, but so is Stroman. You know, I I, I, I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear who your votes are. I'm going to post. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to post this leaderboard in the episode on the Apple. So I post the Simply Amazing shows in its own post on the Apple when they come out. I'm going to go ahead and put this link. I think I linked it to my Twitter. I, I posted it on Twitter on Thursday. I'm just going to go ahead and link to that. Look through the stats. I want to hear who you guys pick is because I'm very curious. And uh, that's pretty much all I got. I can't believe I got a full hour out of this show. I usually get an hour when I have a guest. Never by myself. This is wild. Um, Starting next week, we're going to be releasing shows on Tuesdays. As long as that's okay with Andrew, of course. But uh, Tuesday seems like the the day on my end. Um, If that changes, it could change on a weekly basis. We shall see, but uh, we will be going one show a week. At the Apple, we're going to probably be doing maybe three written articles a week, maybe four. Uh, we'll see. I'm admittedly a little burnt out. Um, you know, thousand words a day every day for six months is, uh, you know, I guess I worked myself up to this at, at Mesmerized. I think I hit something like 1,400 in three years or some, some shit like that. But, uh, you know, I I am admittedly a little burnt out. I'm probably going to be taking, uh, you know, the occasional day as, uh, as the off season gets underway, enjoy some playoff baseball as a fan, all that fun stuff and uh, big plans for, for the Apple moving forward and big plans for the, the podcast moving forward. And yeah, certainly feeling the love guys. It's been an, Unbelievable. A simply amazing season. Uh, You guys know where to find us. Subscribe, rate, review. Um, Yeah, that's all I got, guys. Absolutely love doing this. Absolutely love you guys. Uh, Let's fucking go Mets. The the sign-off never changes. I don't care if it's the middle of February. Let's fucking go Mets. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.